0: listening to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 and 99.9 fm so folks on this monday so brian walsh in court prosecutors say investigators found blood and a bloody damaged knife in the basement of the home in cohasset he was captured on surveillance tape video buying cleaning supplies tarps on january 2nd so that was the monday the weekend search turned up blood in the basement bloody broken knife he bought the tarp, buckets, mops, and tape at Home Depot in Rockland on the Monday. She was last seen on the morning of January 1st. So they're asking for 500000 bail. So this is very significant. Damaged knife in the home. He's also, by the way, supposed to be home on home confinement. So he's been arraigned. There's Brian Walsh being arraigned and blood found knife uh four hundred dollars worth of cleaning supplies from home depot so this story obviously has just gone to another level with this Anna walsh i think it's now it's just a matter of so now we get an idea the picture gets clearer so that the the question now is where she is the fact that they found these things um last scene i mean this is really incredible what is taking place right now uh as we speak and what they have found out and that's why they have um this is just some of the sound yes
1: i'll
2: hear from the commonwealth yes good morning your honor lynn B. lynn for the commonwealth Your Honor, the charge before the court right now, the defendant is charged under the intimidation, that being misleading the police in the course of an investigation. The investigation was into the uh, missing person of Anna Walsh. Anna uh, is the wife of this defendant. She's 37 years old. They have three children, two, four, and six. Anna Walsh was last seen on New Year's Day about uh, between 4 and 6 a.m. in the morning. The defendant indicated that she left the house to go. uh, She works in Washington, D.C. The defendant indicated in the subsequent interview that she left the house around 6 a.m. taking an Uber or Lyft to go to the airport uh, where she was going to go to work uh, in D.C. That was the last time uh, she was seen. Uh, In the course of the investigation, uh, police were notified around January 4th by her employees in Washington, D.C., that she had not shown up for work on January 4th. Uh, That was the first time that she was uh, notified that she was missing. Up until this point, the defendant had not notified anyone that she was missing. In uh, The investigation was determined that she actually had a plane ticket for January 3rd, which she did not use, and did not show up at the airport, nor her D.C. job or her apartment in D.C. it was indicated that the defendant, um, uh, they checked, uh, police checked during the course of this investigation, there was not a Yuba uh, or any kind of lift that had picked her up on January 1st. Uh, in fact, in the course of the investigation, it was determined that her cell phone pinged in the area of the house, which is uh, located on Chief Justice Cushing Way, that her phone pinged on the first and the second which is after the defendant had said she had left. Additionally, the defendant right now was on uh, house arrest uh, pending sentencing in federal court. Part of that probation and condition he was to report his whereabouts if he was to leave the house. Um, He indicated as part of the investigation when police spoke with him that on January 1st, he went to his mother's house. However, it took him a lot longer because he got lost going to his mother's house in Swampskin. He also subtly indicated and stated to the police that he went to Whole Foods and CVS. Police uh, subsequently did surveillance and checked. There was no surveillance or indication that he went to Whole Foods nor CVS. He indicated he purchased some items. There's no receipts for him having purchased that. He then returned home. Surveillance uh, uh, was checked by several police during this time frame. These statements caused a lot of delay as part of the investigation as police now were focusing on the North Shore. He further indicated that on January 2nd, as he was supposed to report in, that the only time he left is that he went to take his son for some ice cream. Surveillance checked during the investigation indicated that defendant, in fact, on January 2nd, sometime after four o'clock, went to the Home Depot, um, which is in Auckland. He's on surveillance at that time, purchasing about $450 worth of cleaning supplies. That would include mops, bucket, tops, um, t uh, drop cloths, uh, as well as various kinds of tape. Uh, he's on surveillance at that time uh, on January 2nd, even though he said he never left the house. Uh, police obtained a search warrant and actually searched the house. Um, with crime scene services, during that time, they found blood in the basement. Um, blood was found in the basement area, as well as a knife, which also contained some blood. Um, could you repeat that, last I missed it? Yes, uh, in the basement, uh, crime scene services uh, recovered and found blood in the basement area. In a section of the basement, there was also a knife that was found. On the knife, there was also blood, uh, and part of the knife was damaged. Your Honor. Um, these various statements caused a delay uh, in the investigation to the point that during the time frame when he didn't report his wife and gave various statements that allowed him time to either clean up evidence, uh, dispose of evidence, um, in causing a delay. Uh, as of this time, uh, Anna Walsh has not been found. Um, so because of that, the Commonwealth is asking 500000 cash bail. All
0: right. Obviously, bombshell revelations from brian walsh in court you're listening to the john DePetro show we were in cohasset all weekend we're going to cover this much more plus justin katz politics this week right here on the john DePetro show next time you have an emergency think atmed urgent care two locations 1524 atwood avenue johnston that's right in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's AdMed Urgent Care. When you have an emergency, they specialize in ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At AdMed Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families. They're on duty at all times. They're open seven days a week. Walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical. Now if you're in a car accident, go to AtMed Urgent Care. Avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms. They also do adult vaccinations, laboratory testing at Med Urgent Care when it's an emergency. 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston, that's right, in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road East Greenwich online at atmedurgentcare.net. Folks, you are listening to the John DePetro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he is the managing editor for anchorrising.com It is our friend, Justin Katz. And, Justin, I want to start off um, just with the fact that uh, last week, we didn't really get a chance to touch on it, but I just wanted to hear your initial thought or what your reaction was on the, the McKee inauguration. I found it to be, um, you know, actually pretty forgettable. Uh, the, there's just it's so like going through the motions, and they you have the big pop and circumstance, but in, in the end, it you know I don't know if it was at the con, because it was at the convention center. I think maybe part of it is because he's actually not new. He's been on the scene and already been governor for whatever it was, 18 months. But um, it it's just, um, you know, just seemed like more the same in it. Like, a, I, I'm just so glad I actually didn't go there physically because it just seemed like just such a whole hum affair.
1: It did. It did. And I think a lot of that, some of it was being inside of you no know, dramatic uh, scenes on the steps, everybody in their coats and the cold noses and so on. Um, that that was part of it, and part of it. I think you're right. It's 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 a strange situation where he's not new, but he's new. You know, it's kind of like that. But but more than that, it just seems he's not an inspiring person. He's not a dramatic figure. He's not going to do anything big. He's not the it's, the one, the line that jumped out of me at me at the coverage was he, he said Rhode Island, this is our time. This is our moment. It's our turn. As if you don't have to do anything. As a state to make things better, you just—it's just your yep. turn. It's, things will come around. We just have to sit and wait, and things will come back. And I think that that kind of sums up McKee's whole approach to me. And I think that that carries over into the presentation of something like an, an inauguration.
0: You also wonder, Justin, if it almost seems a little outdated. You know, there was a time—excuse <clears throat> me—when when when maybe when this started, when people didn't have the access to. The political leaders of, of their time so therefore an inauguration speech um created tradition i'm not saying but it, it's you know this is someone that they had to take time put this together um try to give this rousing speech there was certainly nothing dramatic there but i almost think it's it's kind of outdated and it was maybe more at a time that when you didn't hear from the leaders as much so when they they did give a speech like this it truly was newsworthy and it gave people an indication, you know, of where things were, were going as far as priorities.
1: Right. Well, I mean, a lot of news we see today, it, it jumps out at you that it's it's constant. It's every second of every day. On, I mean, even beyond cable news, for example, you've got Twitter and social media. News is just constantly flying. Uh, whereas before, you know, the newspapers would probably print the whole speech. So it was you know, a bigger affair. It seemed like actual information. Some of that, though, is a choice. I mean, a, a if a if a governor wants to accomplish something uh they can make and they can plan things so that the inauguration is a big unveiling moment for example um i don't i don't know many of the specifics but i i think i heard more news about governor DeSantis's (laughs) inauguration in florida than about mckee's in in rhode island and that's because with DeSantis is doing things that are interesting. And so if, if if McKee were doing something, he could make a bigger deal of it. Of course, you know, it's there's so many more options for reaching reaching the public, as you say, and for the public to find out about what's going on in government that yeah, an inauguration or a large speech is not quite as momentous as it once was.
0: Folks, again, our segment is politics. This week with me is Justin Katz, managing at our anchorrising.com. Now, Justin, on the other side, something i i just view this as governor mckee's got some problems on the horizon and then and and some of them are in the you know not in not too distant but one of them is immediate and that is this this situation with his housing secretary now i don't know this josh saul um i had never heard of him prior to just some of the problems um that happened with the activists on the the front of the state house as the homeless or actress homeless advocates was really sleeping out but he seems to be under the gun and i i just think it's they're like one more homeless controversy away from governor mckee like kicking this guy off the
1: ship it seems like it but it's it's a peculiar (laughs) peculiar scene i mean from what i understand there's, there's no critical event you know, there's no, there's nothing that if it doesn't get done next week, there's going to be huge problems. So it's it's almost like they're distracting from something, or the activists are just succeeding in picking a, you know, the old was it the old uh, Alinsky thing, pick your target, freeze it uh that it's almost like they're doing that to create controversy for McKee which you know he deserves but I have to admit I have some sympathy for the guy I mean the the latest big controversy was he was too late on a on some kind of bureaucratic report which had no new reportage or analysis and probably never was intended to it's just a kind of a make work for government but that was suddenly a a big deal that this guy hadn't hadn't filed the report I mean and, and the Boston Globe was saying it's a critical report and it had key and should have key information, but they never explain why. And I think that's what, what's been kind of nagging at me is we go to the General Assembly and we get the, the comments from Shikarchi, the House Speaker and the Senate President Ruggiero. And they're all, oh, this report's supposed to be in, blah, blah, blah. But the reporters never ask, well, what were you going to do with it today? What, did you have something ready to go you needed this for? No, there's nothing. And I think that's, to me, that's the bigger problem. Is It's just like this fabricated controversy. Uh, there's no, you know, we don't have any examples, thankfully, of, say, a homeless person dying on the streets. That You know, those kind of stories that can kick off a, an emergency feeling to a, a narrative. This is just activists generated this, this whole thing, and it's fallen on this one bureaucrat. Yeah.
0: Um- Justin, do you think is is he safe for now, or do you envision? Because you know, we saw in those uh, interviews with the Boston Globe, both the Senate President and the Speaker. They both don't seem too keen on this guy. And to me, Governor McKee, he just is not the type that's gonna you know go to the mat. I think if the if the heat gets a little too hot, I I think he just throws this guy under the bus and and you know, he just becomes the first casualty of the new year.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I don't doubt that McKee would be happy to throw the guy under the bus regardless of whatever his situation is. But, you know, if if my analysis is correct and it's just kind of a fabricated uh, controversy, that's that's something other department heads, other people in the in the state government are going to be watching and they're going to know that if if. Things if the activists pick my department, I could lose my job for being a day late on a on a report. Uh, and so I'm not. I there, there's going to be institutional resistance to any action unless something right. else comes up. Unless unless like I say, there's a story of somebody dying on the streets because they were homeless or something like that. In which case, yeah, the guy ought to lose his job at that point because he's he's mainly a you know representative of the government. Uh, to the people so you need to take those steps but i think uh, i I would hope mckee be a little reluctant just to throw him under the bus but i don't doubt that you know mckee's characters are are such that he he won't care if it's the moment it's it's slightly more advantageous to him to let the guy go he'll do it
0: yeah i think i think you're right and also um the media narrative like they definitely want uh, somebody's head on this whole thing and then he seems to be the person that they kind of zeroed in on channel 12 they made a huge deal when they oh you know we have an interview with him in the afternoon and it was really an inconsequential interview uh, because I think a big part of the underlying problem with this whole thing with the homeless is when it comes out that a lot of them they don't want to go into a shelter they'd rather be outside as much as how foreign that they see to someone so it it kind of I'm not saying it bails him out, but he's not wrong when he says a lot of these people. Justin, what do you think last week? And again, the media narrative of look what happened with Sock of Warwick. They kicked out these people from a homeless encampment. You know, they. they I, I go after the media on that. They fail to mention these people around city property. They don't belong there. They have no legal right to be here. They're told they're not supposed to be there. And then there's certain members of the media that just go into overdrive when they as they had said they would they then you know, basically removed from from the area of which they weren't supposed to be in the first place.
1: <laughs> yeah, that word evicted, right? They've been ev- yes. evicted as if they live there. That's yeah, right. you, you know, I think we're we're several generations now into journalists being trained to think they're actually activists. Their story, they're not there to report news; they're there to cause positive action. You know, and usually framed in a Marxist way. But they they think they're activists, and so that's how they're approaching these stories. And it seems almost like it's related to the old, you know, the, back to the McKee inauguration. Conversation. I mean, in the once upon a time, the journalists were saw themselves as creating stories for the you know the working people who went home and they needed the news and they opened their newspapers. That was who they were thinking of when they wrote stories. And you tell the story very differently then. Then then you are talking about uh, homeless people, (laughs) vagrants, and hobos, you know, in in the public parks, you know. Are children in danger? You know, those were the stories they might have written then. But now they think they're activists, and so they they generate this huge controversy over over apparently very little. I mean, we we spoke some weeks ago about how. The, the count of how many homeless people are in Rhode Island. It's it's five hundred. Where would you get the number? I don't know. We just plucked it out of the air. We just know because we're the activists. Uh, that's that's really not you know. There's there's no indication that there's a crisis, but they're generating one, and it, they they have to ha- they have to have some kind of consequence to prove that they were efficient journalist activists. And so they've they've targeted this guy Saul, and and he's gonna he might he's gonna have to take the fall to be the action that they took, and and it's it's. It's true. You never get that other side of the story. Whether it's General Assembly, what are you going to do with that report when you get it? Or what are the consequences of these people living in a, a on public property like this? Does that have a consequence? What's going on? Let's let somebody send somebody out to San Francisco to see what's going on out there. They're, they're much farther down this road than we are. That's the kind of stuff you you would get if their audience were you know if they were trying to inform just regular working people.
0: Folks, quick break. Much more hit politics this week. Justin Katz. Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com right here on the John DePietro Show. The Cui set in. segment is politics this week with me justin katz managing editor at anchorizing.com justin's next story it's kind of comical to me but david morales he is a rep in providence he is come right out there's more and more of them as a matter of fact he he's a socialist uh, listed as a democrat but he's not ashamed to say or not hiding the fact he's actually a socialist and also the head of the providence city council rachel miller she's another one that uh they think they, 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 are described as Democrats, but they're actually socialists. And they they do a decent job in trying to, again, work over the media, give them the idea that, oh, no, I'm just like a Democrat. But actually, at first opportunity, they they don't hesitate to try to move into that. their true beliefs, which is of socialism. But the Democrat socialists, I believe, of Providence, uh, uh, decided to kick out this David Morales because they say he voted. Uh, in favor of speaker Joe Sakachi I just find it amusing when these groups start to turn on each other and eat their own. Uh the political co op ran into a problem with they you know, they kicked out that um just the Brandon Potter because then this is another situation. He was someone that Went along and voted for the speaker, but I want to hear your thoughts on this.
1: Well, if, it is it is humorous. It is you know they they will eat their own, and in a way, we can take some comfort that when these people actually get into office, they do start to moderate because suddenly you know they have some responsibility and the pressures start to apply, which which means. To some extent, our our system is still working, but this the story to me comes comes back almost to the presentation again in the news media. I mean, we talked about the uh, the presidential candidate who called himself a doctor, but but never wasn't actually a doctor. Um, not the president, the the gubernatorial candidate, and it's, it's something similar. You know, you, you never get the hard questions like, okay, so. Mr. Representative Morales you say you're a democratic socialist what does that mean exactly what do you want to do what's right. what do you think of this are you aligned with you know these far left governments that are, are in in Venezuela that are destroying the country you know that kind of stuff you never ever get those kind of questions it's almost like socialist is allowed to just be out there as this fluffy word that nobody really knows what it means uh, and I, th- I think that goes back to the, the journalists just instincts you know if if uh you know, they gave Morales, you know, paragraphs and paragraphs to talk about his 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 what he's accomplished and his goals, and they all sound right very flowery. But there's really no, you know, well, what either way, what did you do to betray this group? Why do they oppose the speaker? What are, what's their message? You don't get that because it's so extreme, uh, and you don't get any you don't get any digging into his beliefs to find out whether he's extreme. You just get this kind of this kind of fluffy coverage, which is why, you know, it. that that kind of bias, as we've discussed before with TR Mac and others, you know, you you run as a progressive and and you're not only you guaranteed some, uh, some positive coverage, but you, It's just a fun experience because you're going to get that positive coverage It's going to be all glowing. Everybody's going to try to make it sound okay for you. Whereas if you flip that and in the other direction, it's all, you know, oh, why are you even associated with this radical group anyway? You know, uh, a conservative doing the same would, would get almost no credit. For, for bucking that far-right group. they'd The association and what the group actually believed and all that, that would be played up so that it would be dra- dramatic. And that you know just goes back to the journalists being activists these days.
0: You know, the, um, uh, there was also, uh, Justin Katz, I was surprised, or maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, but that Jordan Goyette, who we had discussed, who's uh, a Democrat operative field person, uh, had to resign from that group reclaim R.I. because he was sharing with them his fantasies that had to do with rape and murder. There was really no coverage of that yet. Mm -hmm. You know, they jump on the fact if somebody puts a a swastika in a bag and throws puts a rock in it and throws it into somebody's driveway. That is a huge story in the (laughs) local media. Someone who is, in fact, dangerous, who was around Going door-to-door to people's homes uh, was part of campaigns. I would argue that guy, and who knows what was going on, is far more dangerous than whoever are these idiots that are throwing things in people's driveways uh, periodically around the street.
1: Yeah, you do uh, you, you do get the impression that they're... I, I mean, I got in a, a spat with, um, with the uh, Uprise... Uh, guy Steve oh, Alquist. Yeah. <laughs> Alquist, and just because they 'cause they're they're oh flyers thrown in some I think it was East Greenwich <laughs> neighborhoods or something like that. North you, Kingstown, you know, North yeah. Kingstown. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you look at it, who benefits from this? It's not right. it's not far right radicals. It's not like there's we're all of us white folk are just chomping at the bit waiting for the call. I mean, it's, it's just a ridiculous and insulting insinuation. Who benefits are. Uprise Rhode Island or the that's progressives right. or, or these, you know, these activist identity politics groups that with multi-million dollar budgets, they, they've got to fundraise. They've got to be able to say, look, flyers in North Pinkstown. Uh, that's it's, so it's really just to their benefit. And yet you never get you, you, if I think, you know, to go back to the theme, I think if the uh, if the news media still considered the worker day Rhode Islander to be their, their audience, it would be a very different story we'd be we'd be hearing well who are these radical groups who is this guy who is having that's great right. fantasies who what is this group that that is so radical they're kicking out a, one of their fellow socialists from the group because he he voted for the speaker which is just ordinary politics what's wrong with the speaker anyway you never get these questions because they're they're just supporting a narrative and that's why the you know journalists of all people don't seem to mind when you know, the mayor of Providence or even the governor of the state talk like there's no such thing as a First Amendment when somebody leaves a flyer they don't like in somebody's driveway.
0: Yeah, and, and as far as uprise, um, you're exactly right, Justin. He benefits. He personally benefits when you have stories about the homeless. He jumps all over uh, the encampments. Uh, it doesn't matter if the numbers aren't accurate. And and also look at just, you know, you had someone like a Mike Stanton who's still the, like the dean and looked up to He's telling you when everyone should support Steve Alquist. He's doing important journalism, making a statement to the, the rest of the media. Uprise, they in no way covered that Jordan Goyet story. You know, they they cherry pick. Uh, Alquist was also um, singled out as one of the people to watch or that was important in 2022, <laughs> even though it's, uh, it is activism. And they need those types of people sleeping out in front of the statehouse because that benefits him and that helps their narrative and they you're exactly right they benefit from having these things thrown around in the driveway you know it's it's wrong but and i just saw i think in in um in massachusetts and Swampscott, again there's an investigation somebody spray painted a swastika somewhere on a sidewalk now again i i, I downplay that but more often than not when these things happen it's, it's just some some stupid high school kid where somebody, they may not fully know what that symbol really represents or what that does to people. Um, you know, they sometimes do it in a school. They did it in Northern Rhode Island. They'll do it in a cemetery. It's just, it's stupid, but it's, it doesn't mean, look, mag is on the march. The right wing is, you know, they're all gathering right now. And that means, you know, these hate crimes on the rise. I, I disagree, I disagree with that. I think there there are some of that that's out there, but it's it's not under the guise of that. And I'm in no way trying to minimize that symbol. But more often than not, when we've encountered this, it it tends to be just some kids that are bored, and somebody does that with spray paint. They don't even fully recognize. Uh, and I'm not making excuses, but what of doing something like that, folks? Quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor rising.com right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs, call them 401 885 4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508 252 3359. Propane Heating and Cooling 885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 our segment is politics this week with us is justin katz managing editor at anchorizing.com now justin we look we talk local politics but I would be remiss, and I am curious your thoughts as the events that played out last week, and then now that has resulted that Kevin McCarthy is in fact the speaker.
1: Well, you know what struck me uh, from the Rhode Island perspective is he, he throughout the campaign and so yep. on, we hear again and again a, a vote for McCarthy for Fung is a vote for McCarthy. It's a vote That's for right. Trump. First it's a vote, vote for the. Is it's going to be
0: for Kevin McCarthy.
1: It's going to be a mega vote, you know, and and then here you go and what's happening the the farther right members of the of the Republican caucus in, in Congress are fighting McCarthy because he's too moderate, to whatever. Uh, and, and so that it, it, it goes to show how poorly served we are by the, the news media because they, they just construct this narrative, which is just not true. And arguably, they deprived Rhode Island of an ability, the ability to participate in maybe the most consequential vote of this Congress uh, session, congressional session, which was the speaker. Fung would have voted for McCarthy. That would have been one more person on his side getting him to the number he needs, would have moderated the Republican Party and if you're if you're a moderate person in Rhode Island, that would have been a bit better outcome than having another Democrat empty suit in in a minority party in Congress. Uh, that, so it, it does have consequences for voters when when a news media takes up these ridiculous narratives. But but generally, I think you know. It, it, it was a lot of showboating. I, I I start to lose my temper a bit when I see the the people who I, I probably agree on 99% of the policies right. they support, but they're talking about, oh, well, McCarthy doesn't have the votes. He should, he should just step aside. Well, wait a second. Yeah. He's got 200 votes and you've yeah. got 20. That doesn't mean you win, right? Just the fact that you can stop the vote, you get something. Yeah. Okay. We, we talk about that in Rhode Island all the time. We need enough enough Republicans to stop the budget and then they'll have some leverage. Uh, but so that I, I have sympathy with that, but they, it's just, the rhetoric just gets tiring to me, where oh, he, he doesn't have the vote, he's he's as bad as Pelosi, all right, come on, let's just grow up and be more honest. And I, I think that's what it what really strikes me, is the, kind of the silliness and dishonesty of, of much of the talk. And not only that, Justin, but what also uh, stood out to me was,
0: yeah, there's Seth Magaziner, and he's in Congress instead of Alan Fung, and he's voting for Jeffries. And Kevin McCarthy is the speaker. I mean, his entire campaign was essentially built on, you need to send me down there to prevent Kevin McCarthy from becoming the speaker. And he's the speaker. Now, granted, there was a little bit of a bumpy road, but it had nothing to do with with, uh, Seth Magazine. Now, granted, now you also really see Kevin McCarthy certainly could have used another Republican vote down there. He initially, I think, thought that they were going to get 230 seats. If they did get the 230 then it would have weakened the so-called, you know, whatever you want to call them, the freedom workers, the rebels and so forth that just seemed to be basking in in the limelight of uh, all the attention they were getting. But in the end, that entire narrative, that you and I listened all last fall that played out, that everyone just kind of went along with it, all those commercials, millions spent on commercials that all proved to be false. And there's Seth Magazine. And I can only imagine is there has to be some people that actually thought like, hey, wait a minute, I voted for Magaziner because he told me he was going to block Kevin McCarthy for becoming (laughs) the Speaker. And now he is the Speaker. So we'll see how that plays out over the next two years. Now, Justin, we do have a new mayor in Providence. Brett Smiley finished up his first week. You know, the more I think of it here, it's 2023. And it's just hard to believe, like, if you could go back in time in the 90s, you know, when it was Mayor, C- you know, we're going to do work to improve the schools. Then Cicillini was talking about, we're going to do the work to improve the schools. Then it became, then it became a usual Varus, And then it was a Lorza. It, it, it is just, there's something about it. it. It's just so sad. It's like if you had something in your house that at this point was still broken and not working, you would just say, Enough of it. Let's just get a new refrigerator or whatever it is that's always breaking and so forth, or get a new car that's always breaking down. It it is amazing. His first act is he has to be with the parents because of the fact that the schools are you know gearing up for a battle with the teachers unions.
1: Well, yeah, I I mean. It was that, that meeting he had with the parents was interesting. I mean, he does say he's going to you know, make it the best run city and so on. And the kids are focused, schools are focused and all this stuff. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of talk, a lot of rhetoric and not a lot of metrics. And but what struck me when he met with the parents is they were concerned about their quote their community school you know it's not it's not just a school it's it's a community and i think that's that's part of the problem is uh the the, the families have this sense almost like they're they're just the they're just the local playground or something yeah and they're, they're not angry and that's that's the real problem well the politicians don't care politicians like when there's a problem they can pretend to solve the activists don't care the the unions definitely don't care that the schools are failing the students uh they've got the everybody in their pockets but what what has to happen is those parents have to be angry. They have to be telling the mayor you go and you stop this union from hurting my children. You know, that's, but instead it's, oh, you know, the school's not so bad. The building's okay. It's a community. It's really not. No, no, it's a service government is supposed to be providing to your children and they're not doing it. They're harming your children for the rest of their lives for 30 years now. They harmed your future when you were a kid in the same school system. That's, that ought to be making people angry, but it doesn't because anybody who gets angry sees you can't fix it and leaves or goes to private school or charter school. That's the problem, and so we'll see. If, if Smiley is going to do anything, it's going to. Ha- it's it's good that he's reaching out to parents. I, I mean, that's kind of step one. You need to build a constituency. But if, if it's just hey, I'm here for you. Hey, you can call me up. We're going to have listening sessions for the next four years. Then all right, whatever. It's not going to solve anything because the parents don't know. They they don't know what they're what they should be getting. They don't know what the problems are. But if Smiley builds up this sort of rapport with, with a group of parents and then leverages that in the future, that could be a good thing. So we'll see. Um, as I said last week, I'm skeptical that Smiley's actually going to do much of anything. I think when it comes down to it, his kind of pro- progressive leanings and personal ambitions are going to override any actual good he might do. Um, he won't actually take the the hard steps that, surprisingly, even Jorge Alorza was willing to do a little bit. Um, but But we'll see.
0: You know what I'm anxious to see, Justin Katz? And again, folks, our segment is Politics This Week, where this is Justin Katz, managing editor at is over the next six months, uh, you're going to start to hear Republicans are running for president in 2024, that they're going to start to uh, make the, you know, make them much more interviews out on the campaign trail. It's a little bit quiet right now, but as we start to move into, into the spring and then in the summer, you're going to, you know, see Mike Pompeo out there. You're going to, see Governor DeSantis. Those two individuals, what I think is going to be interesting, Justin, is they are openly going to war against the teachers' unions. Governor DeSantis doesn't even mince words. Mike Pompeo, uh, former head of the CIA, um, Secretary of State, he has openly challenged Randy Weingarten to a debate, and is basically almost like trying to grab the mantle that he is like her biggest nightmare, and she is the one that has to come down he he uh gave a speech in where he was saying she is the biggest threat to the country so my point is i'm curious to watch the dynamic locally because that is aft that's the teachers union that is part of the, it's providence it's Pawtucket. it's warwick it's winsocket i think it's cranston as well but you're going to see locally the press to me taking the union at their word that they're They're just trying to be part of the solution and blah, blah, blah. And nationally, you're going to see people like Pompeo and DeSantis saying, these people are the problem. These people have to, you know, you have to go around them. They are not there to educate your kids. They're there to run lousy public schools and just continue to gouge the taxpayers. So I'm curious to see how that's going to play out as far as what we're going to be seeing locally compared to the national narrative.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great insight. And I think that one of the things that it highlights is for DeSantis in Florida, for Pompeo, among Republicans uh, across the country, there's a constituency for pushing back on the teachers unions. And there's not one in Rhode Island because it's their effect and their influence is soft peddled here, just like for progressives. Right. And that's there's a I I think it's West Warwick. I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't look it up before the call. But uh, there's a teacher who's now going to court because he thinks he's fired because he. He wouldn't join he the union. Pay the he would union
0: dues. We covered right. that with yeah. our legal analyst Tim Dodd. That's exactly right.
1: Yeah. And I didn't see any coverage of that. I mean, or anything significant. That could be that should be a big story. And, you know, I can tell you from just family experience that teachers do not understand they don't have to be part of the union. And they don't they don't understand that the union's the contract still covers them. They don't understand any of that. Uh, and then they they feel threatened and they feel, oh, I might as well just stay in it and not disrupt anything. That that's why I think that these these journalists who are act progressive activists many of them are unionized themselves they're certainly sympathetic to unions anyway uh, they they don't want that story to be actually a, a matter of conversation because the unions are, Evil. They are doing yes. real harm to real children, and it's undeniable. Uh, but they, but there's a whole institution from government to the unions to the journalists in Rhode Island that don't want that to be a story. So I think you're right. We'll see. And this is how we, how we end up living in kind of two Americas. You've got yep. you watch a little bit of national news, the evil Fox News, you know, and all that stuff, and you, you hear these things from respectable people saying the union is the problem, and at the very least, you say, hmm that's an interesting statement. I wonder what he's talking about. And you pay attention and then you get people who are completely in in the dark as to how any of this works. Uh, And that's on purpose. We're like mushrooms, right? They keep you in the dark and feed you stuff. Uh, That's what they do in Rhode Island. And that's why the the unions, they've got a lot invested in, in not letting that slip. Uh, And I I think you're right. I think that that will make for an interesting contrast. Of course, only people like us are going to observe it because, uh, it will be carefully hidden from from just the average Rhode Islander, I think.
0: And not only that, but I, I think they're afraid of them. I mean, it's it was, I mean, I could say personal experience. It was 10 years ago that those teachers unions, they went after me with the boycott. And I know for a fact now. I used to appear somewhat regularly here and there, pop up on local television. They made it very clear. They went to the local team. If you put him on, then we're going to bring our boycott to you. We're going to bring it home to you. So, They And they bully and they go after, you know, there was a period of time you wouldn't hear them uh, because they boycott the radio station. Local hosts, talk hosts, they're afraid of them. So now they regularly not only let them on, but they're never challenged. And they completely give them, you know, as much freedom, anything you want, anything to appease them. But that you're exactly right, Justin, that story. And look what they did. They fired the guy. They basically fired him because he didn't want to pay his teachers unions. That's another example to me, Justin, where they, they use someone like that as an example. Um, they did that with Gina Raimondo. They ran Clay Pell against her to make an example out of her. Many times it's not about the person. They want to just frighten anyone else out there. So if there's anyone else out there thinking of not paying their dues, here's what happens to you. We're going to fire you. Um, we'll find a way to fire you. And as you and I both know, it's virtually impossible to fire a teacher with these contracts so you know that's another part of the hurdle that they managed to you know break because otherwise you've had teachers that remember that woman in Bristol she was a second grade teacher she got busted on a DUI driving to school in the morning they couldn't fire her you have teachers that look at that naked fat uh, test coach they they it, because of the contracts and people don't get that, but it is impossible to get rid of these bad teachers. That's one thing a Lord's was right on, but somehow they manage to find a way because to me, they wanted to make an example out of him. That's why Justin, just to go full circle, um, you know, and you and I, again, were the only ones that talked about it, but primary day governor McKee standing at the polls with Pat Crowley, that told me all I needed to know. Um, it's, it's, you know, it was almost to me like when the Bills returned the kickoff for a touchdown, I'm like, all right, well, the g- that game's over <laughs> uh, against the Patriots yesterday. When you're standing at the polls next to Crowley, I, I've, I've seen enough. I don't need to hear anything more. Uh, I've seen this movie. If you're standing next to somebody like that, um, we already know the direction this is going. On. I'll give you the final word.
1: Well, exactly. I mean, the, to end on a somewhat humorous note, that it's sort of like the movie The Toy with Richard Pryor where they're, they. The rich guys trying to frame a politician by throwing a party and getting a picture of him with the head of the local clan you know it's a sort of that you that sort of thing can tar you but not with the local teachers unions and that's what you that's all you need to know they run the show and yeah. the kids are going to continue to suffer until people start really getting angry but they don't they just find a way out of the system
0: yeah in other states that it's definitely turning i want to see how that uh, affects things locally folks again he's the managing editor anchorizing.com a segment of politics this week it's justin Katz. just an excellent job as always and we'll talk to you again
1: thank you john a real pleasure
0: you're listening to the john dipetro show it's am 1380 and 99.9 fm so folks on this monday so brian walsh in court prosecutors say investigators found blood and a bloody damaged knife in the basement of the home in cohasset he was captured on surveillance tape video buying cleaning supplies tarps on January 2nd. So that was the Monday. The weekend search turned up blood in the basement, bloody broken knife. He bought the tarp, buckets, mops, and tape at Home Depot in Rockland on the Monday. She was last seen on the morning of January 1st. So they're asking for 500,000 bail. So this is very significant. Damaged knife in the home. He's also, by the way, supposed to be. Home on home confinement, so he's been arraigned. This Brian Walsh being arraigned, and blood found, knife, uh, four hundred dollars worth of cleaning supplies from Home Depot. So this story obviously has just gone to another level with this Anna Walsh. I think it's now it's just a matter of. So now we get an idea; the picture gets clearer so that they the question now is where she is the fact that they found these things um last seen i mean this is really incredible what is taking place right now uh as we speak and what they have found out and that's why they have um this is just some of the sound
2: for the Commonwealth. Your Honor, the charge before the court right now, the defendant is charged under the intimidation, that being misleading the police in the course of an investigation. The investigation was into the uh, missing person of Anna Walsh. Anna uh, is the wife of this defendant. She's 37 years old. They have three children, two, four, and six. Anna Walsh was last seen on New Year's Day about uh, between four and six a.m. in the morning. The defendant indicated that she left the house to go. uh, She works in Washington, D.C. The defendant indicated in the subsequent interview that she left the house around 6 a.m. taking an Uber or Lyft to go to the airport uh, where she was going to go to work uh, in D.C. That was the last time uh, she was seen. Uh, In the course of the investigation, uh, police were notified around January 4th by her employees in Washington, D.C. that she had not shown up for work on January 4th. Uh, that was the first time that she was uh, notified that she was missing. Up until this point, the defendant had not notified anyone that she was missing. In uh, the investigation was determined that she actually had a plane ticket for January 3rd, which she did not use and did not show up at the airport nor her D.C. job or her apartment in D.C. Um, it was indicated that the defendant, um, uh, they checked, uh, police checked during the course of this investigation, there was not a Yuba uh, or any kind of lift that had picked her up on January 1st. Uh, in fact, in the course of the investigation, it was determined that her cell phone pinged in the area of the house, which is um, located on Chief Justice Cushing Way, that her phone pinged on the first and the second which is after the defendant had said she had left. Additionally, the defendant right now was on uh, house arrest, uh, pending sentencing in federal court. Part of that probation and condition, he was to report his whereabouts if he was to leave the house. Um, He indicated as part of the investigation when police spoke with him, that on January 1st, he went to his mother's house. However, it took him a lot longer because he got lost going to his mother's house in Swampskin. He also subtly indicated and stated to the police that he went to Whole Foods and CVS. Police uh, subsequently did surveillance and checked. There was no surveillance or indication that he went to Whole Foods nor CVS. He indicated he purchased some items. There's no receipts for him having purchased that. He then returned home. Surveillance uh, uh, was checked by several police during this time frame. These statements caused a lot of delay as part of the investigation as police now were focusing on the North Shore. He further indicated that on January 2nd, as he was supposed to report in, that the only time he left is that he went to take his son for some ice cream. Surveillance checked during the investigation indicated that defendant, in fact, on January 2nd, sometime after four o'clock, went to the Home Depot, um, which is in Falkland. He's on surveillance at that time, purchasing about $450 worth of cleaning supplies. That would include mops, bucket, tops, um, T-Vex, drop cloths, uh, as well as various kinds of tape. Uh, He's on surveillance at that time uh, on January 2nd, even though he said he never left the house. Uh, Police obtained a search warrant and actually searched the house. with crime scene services. During that time, they found blood in the basement. Um, blood was found in the basement area, as well as a knife, which also contained some blood. Um, Could you repeat that last I missed it? Yes, uh, in the basement, uh, crime scene services uh, recovered and found blood in the basement area, in a section of the basement. There was also a knife that was found. On the knife, there was also blood. Uh, and part of the knife was damaged. Your Honor, um, these various statements caused a delay uh, in the investigation to the point that during the time frame when he didn't report his wife and gave various statements, that allowed him time to either clean up evidence, uh, dispose of evidence, um, in causing a delay. Uh, as of this time, uh, Anna Walsh has not been found. Um, so, because of that, the Commonwealth is asking five hundred thousand cash bail.
0: All right. Obviously, bombshell revelations from brian walsh in court you're listening to the john DePetro show we were in cohasset all weekend we're going to cover this much more plus justin katz politics this week right here on the john DePetro show it's getting cold already this winter keep your family your employees warm with matthews oil company call them today 401-942-7500 matthews oil company 24-hour emergency service for over four generations they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe trusted oil delivery call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 you can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil They take pride providing reliable, affordable service for you and your family, celebrating 90 years of service. Call them now. It's going to be a cold winter. Get that tank filled. Call Matthews Oil Company today, 401-942-7500. In an emergency, they offer 24-hour emergency service. Matthews Oil Company, 401-942-7500. 580 1852 Limitless Outdoors. Dream, build, enjoy. To the John DePietro show, it's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, com. Remember, weekdays. 11 to 2. But visit the website, petro.com That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique original reporting, stories, videos, also all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live, or YouTube, or Twitter. It's all right there at the website, petro.com And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop we have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at depetro.com. And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website, dePietro.com.